Welcome to Game and Going Deeper, a podcast series by the Gamens Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Your hosts today are Callan Brecken, Michael Diorio, and myself, Matt Lancedal. Collectively, we have over 40 years of experience in the personal development world, and if this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you. We each have our own coaching practice, but in this podcast, we're sharing all of our best stuff. Today, we're talking about love languages, the infamous love languages, the five love languages, and we're going to be exploring topics and questions such as, what are your love languages? What makes you feel loved? And what influenced this? How do you like to give love and what influenced it? And what would be your sixth love language if you were to choose one? We'll continue these discussions on the last Thursday of every month in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout, where you will have the chance to share your own experiences. This podcast and YouTube channel are listener and viewer supported. If you enjoy what we're creating, you can support us by heading over to our Patreon page and contributing to the show over there. You can also subscribe to the early access option on Apple Podcasts, listen ad-free, and gain early access to episodes. All your support helps us to continue making content for you and supporting our community, and we do thank you in advance. And you can also check out our attachment style quiz in the show notes to find out what attachment style you have and get a free report on it. And I would highly recommend that because today we're talking about love, love languages, and it's really important to understand how your love language and your attachment style work together because they one will inform the other, which we'll be getting into today. Um, and if you're looking to accelerate your personal development journey, check out our new coaching collection. Learn how to heal and empower yourself at your own pace by getting instant access to 45 premium personal development coaching videos created by us, as well as our Healing Your Shame and Building Better Relationships courses. So you can head over to gaymengoingdeeper.com for more information. All right, so before we jump into today's episode, uh, I'd like to read a review from one of our amazing listeners. This comes from Dan from Wisconsin, uh, off of our YouTube on the Making Friends episode. He says, I just discovered your podcast. I appreciate your combined efforts to help gay men be mentally healthy. So thank you for, for that. And we are honored to be able to provide awareness to gay men to grow and develop. Yay. Yay. Okay, so the five love languages. So these are pretty popular in um, mainstream personal development and psychology um, and relationship, the relationship um, coaching community. Um, they were, were created originally by Gary Chapman. And basically these are, um, these are the, the five love, love, love languages that he has determined that make um, relationships more fulfilling and uh, the languages that people tend to often want to give and receive in love. So I'm going to read them out to you. The first one is words of affirmation. Then we have physical touch, quality time, acts of service, and giving and receiving gifts. So I want to just highlight that these are not um, the only love languages. There's tons of love languages. There's many, many ways that people like to be loved and to give love, but these tend to be kind of the umbrella, the top five that you can fit slide in other things into them um, as well. But I'm sure we are going to discover kind of just with our own, um, you know, love languages, which ones, you know, which other ones there are out there. So 
It's important to note because uh, you can go and take the quiz on the if you go to five love languages and there's a quiz that you can take and you know it goes through like 30 questions and at the end it'll spit out your percentages of whatever love languages you have so we definitely recommend doing that but when you take that test that is basically determining what love language you like to receive right it doesn't take into account which language you like to give and i think it's really important to understand both. So take some time and think about, um, you know, even over the course of this podcast, like which love languages do I want to receive, but also what do I like giving, right? Because when we get into relationships, we're giving and receiving love. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll project onto the other person what we think they want to feel love based off of what we want, right? And that is a, a big uh, contributor to a lot of conflict in relationships. So every one of these love languages, when you're giving it, you it has to be accompanied by a sense of knowing and a deep communication with your partner on what do they want? What, what makes them feel good? And I think as we get to know, know our partner better and better, the more we're likely going to be able to provide them with the type of love that they want to receive, okay? Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind when we're when we're talking today. Um, and then, you know, I, I was thinking a lot for myself, like throughout, you know, just thinking about what I wanted to share in this podcast. And a lot of my love languages actually come from uh, um, fears and uh, needs. Those are the two kind of streams that my my uh, and a lot of my needs are actually informed by my fears. Right. So things that are that you know terrify me about love, like the, I have certain love languages that I would want shown to me that mitigate some of those fears right and they make me feel safe to be able to open up and 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 come into love deeper so um again another thing to think about while we're talking today like what are my fears and needs and how might those inform my love language um yeah okay and then what the last point i have here is that um in order for us to know what our love languages are, we often need to uh, be connected to our emotional self. We need to be feeling our emotions because our emotions are um, basically our compass. They're they're constantly communicating to us through our nervous system what our needs are, right? So if we're in a situation where we have unmet needs in a in a in a relationship our nervous system will get activated, we'll have emotions, it might be disappointment or sadness or anger. And then we will get data out of that emotion. And we can take that data and bring it into our relationship and start to communicate with our partner. Like, this is what I need. I need you to love me this way so I can feel whatever, right? So there's these elements of it. So the foundation of this work, if you really want to get clear about what your love languages are and how to use them in an intimate way, um, we need to be feeling our emotions. So connecting to our body, connecting and having a, a friendship with our nervous system is is essential um, to, to doing this. So, um, yeah, that's pretty what I pretty much all I got for the monologue here. Um, let's jump into the first question and I'll, I'll start with Michael. Um, so what are your love languages? All right. Um, I had a feeling that uh, you're going to ask me first. <laughs> and I actually did the test today, guys. So I've done this mm. test a few times over my my lifetime and it's roughly the same so i got the same order um but a couple different percentage changes so before i answer it uh can you guys guess you know you guys know me quite well so <laughs> one came out on top and my highest was 33 percent, and then i had two that were even in second and third can you guys guess what my number one would be i think i know i'm okay. gonna say physical touch okay matt what do you think 
I'm torn between quality time and physical touch. Yeah. Okay. I'll say quality time just to keep it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So my number one is quality time. <laughs> right. So that usually comes in first. So yeah, number one is quality time at 33. Um, and then second and third are tied uh, words of affirmation and acts of service. Um, and physical touch is now down to 17%. And then as always, gifts is very, very low. So 3%. So that's always like quality time is always number one and gifts is always a number five, but those three in the middle are constantly changing and physical touch typically is quite high. I don't know why this time it, it wasn't, um, and acts of service has, has gone up. So oops, I keep knocking my cord. Um, so yeah, those are my five. Um, can you read them yeah. again? Just in order top okay. to bottom quality, quality time. Number one. Yeah. Yeah. Words of affirmation and acts of service. Number two. Yeah. Physical touch number three. And then uh, receiving gifts is the last one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Those are mine. Great. Very interesting. God, that's, about, I, you know, that's strange. That's not what I would have thought. Because I'm very touchy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll talk about so, that later. <laughs> that's very, yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. Okay. I see you. I see you. Um. So I did not do the test today and I haven't actually done the test in a long time. I didn't even think to do the test, um, but I did. I remember I read this book like a bajillion years ago when I was with my very first ex um, and we kind of, oh, I got something in my eye. Oh God, help. No. Okay. Sorry, listeners. I like just had something like flying in my eye. Whilst I'm dealing with this, can I also just point out we all are wearing something very similar today? <laughs> I know. I feel like, like we're like uh, like the Backstreet Boys in the, one of those videos in the '90s, like right? All wearing white. <laughs> like we like planned this. Um, okay, I think I think my eyes good. Ooh, that was danger zone. Okay, sorry. So getting back into it. So my first ex and I, we kind of like he brought it up to me. He's like, I think it would be really good for us to read this. I think it's like 22, 23. And it really did change the perspectives because he was a bit more of a gift giver. And that is like the bottom of like bottom of my totem pole, like gift giving is like, like, don't even see it. Don't even think about it as like, and like acts of service, like those two things don't even really show up on my Richter scale. Mostly. I think as I've gotten older, the acts of service maybe have, but really it doesn't, it doesn't get too high. My number one is physical touch. And I used to think it was words of affirmation, um, but I can go without the words of affirmation if the physical touch is there to supplement that. So if there's physical touch, so when I'm talking like, <clears throat> if I'm with somebody and we're like wandering around, like we're in the kitchen or whatever, or maybe I'm doing dishes or something and they just like come up and like rub my the back of my neck or just give me a hug from behind and then going on merry little way doing whatever for the rest of the day that to me says more than them yelling like I love you from like another room so it's like that is like and just like I love to be touchy with another person when I'm with them and just friends like I'm a very huggy person um I like cuddling like I just love that part of it and for me that just like signifies like love um and then words of affirmation is probably second on that tier because if that physical's not there, like somebody's distant or whatever, then the reminders of the messages of like, and it doesn't even have to be, I love you or anything like that. It's just them thinking about me and asking questions like, how's your day or what's going on? And like that genuine curiosity of like interest in my life to me is words of affirmations. And then that is letting me know that they're thinking about me. They care about me like that. That's showing the love for me. So physical touch and words of affirmation and then quality time is probably third. 
although I think it, I think it used to be higher and I do love quality time, but I know that without those other things, the quality time to me is like not quality. <laughs> so if those other things aren't being met, then the quality time isn't actually quality time for me. Um, but I do enjoy quality time if it's in like friends, like I really enjoy spending quality time with friends. So it's like phones aren't out, we're actively engaging with each other, even if it's for a half hour or an hour, or even if it's with friends that I only see, like I have one friend here in Toronto, she's in Mississauga, I see her maybe once a month, once every other month. And we don't really text or keep up during in-betweens. But when we do get together, there's that quality time of like, okay, we're both off our phones and we're committed to like catching up. And then like, we both feel happy and complete and then we're done. Um, but yeah, th that's kind of, that's my list of things. Love very, cu very curious. What about you, Matt? You know, I, I have a hard time with this one because I love them all. <laughs> mm -hmm. In a relationship, I like to dance between them all, right? And I think it's great. Like, you know, come over uh, with a gift and make me dinner and tell me you love me. <laughs> and then let's cuddle, right? Have some quality time together and um, physical touch. But if I had to order them, I would say quality time would sit at the top. You know, I'm, I'm definitely, that's uh, very important to me. But I think it would be it would be paired with physical touch because I love being touched. It's like one of my like most favorite things. I remember I, I dated a guy and he just loved touching like that was his his love language that he loved to give. So he always would have his hand on me in some way, like we'd be at dinner and he would just have his hand resting on my and he that brought him comfort and it brought me comfort. So we had this real beautiful bond between physical touch. So um yeah, so quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, because I share your sentiment, Cal, and I think when I'm not able to, to be with them, I like, you know, being affirmed. I think it feels really good. Um, and then acts of service would be fourth, and then gifts would be fifth. Um, so yeah, those are all the ones that I like to receive. I'm curious for you guys, what would be like your top two that you'd like to give? Just off the top of your head, I know we're going to go into it a little yeah. bit more in the other question, but it, just off the top of your head, like what are the ones that you like to, you like to give that physical touch and yeah. quality time. Yeah. 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 I'd have to say the same. Like mm -hmm. I like to give people the gift of like physical touch because I hug everybody. Like I'm a big hugger. And then and a good hugger too. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> big bear hugs. And then quality time, because that's I feel like that's a lot of friends. I give a lot of friends like the quality time of like I'm with you when I'm with you. I'm not like distant on my phone or doing whatever. I like to be present with people. So yeah. What about yeah, you, man? Cool. Uh, mine would probably be words of affirmation. I just love expressing myself and and sharing how I'm feeling. Um, and, you know, I kind of do that for a living in, in like even on these podcasts and stuff. So I like to express my love to somebody and then quality time for sure. So, okay, well, that's good. That sets the tone for the listener to kind of get a sense of where we're at and for each other. Um, so we'll go in the same order. So, Michael, what makes you feel loved and what influenced that? Okay. Well, all of them make me feel loved. Kind of like you were saying, oh, I'm I'm happy to receive all of the above. Um, so I was thinking about this and I'm happy that I just did the quiz now, like this, this morning before it recorded, because I was thinking the same thing. Like, why is physical touch like so low? So low is like, you know, not that is not that much further, but I was thinking about it and the way the quiz is the structure is first you say, are you in a relationship? Are you single? So I put, I'm in a relationship. And then like the way that they phrase it is when your partner 
does this? Like what's more meaningful to you? So I was thinking about it and I think I have a theory. I'm curious to know what you guys think. So I think because I give and receive physical touch very easily from like a lot of different people, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with hugging strangers and receiving touch from strangers. I think that's why it's lower. So with my partner, when I was answering these questions, I'm thinking because I can do that with kind of anybody with my partner, the quality time is that much higher because I do not spend quality time with just anybody. I'm very, very picky about who I give my time to. So I think that's why that one came up higher than physical touch, even though I love being touched. I love giving touch. I'm a super cuddly, like star says, I'm aggressively cuddly, <laughs> like a dominant cuddler. <laughs> so, which is very true. I am. I can't stop touching. Um, which is great. I love that. So yeah, I think, I think what makes me feel loved is the touch, but I think I wanted to throw the theory out there that I think is because of the way that questions were asked and I was thinking about him during it, that that's why it was so high anyway. Okay. I can get behind that. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I'd be curious to know if you guys, if you guys did do it, you guys would do it as a single, as a single person, I assume. So it'd be, I wonder if that'd be any, any different, but anyway, maybe I should talk go about do it later. after. Maybe yeah, you yeah. do it right <laughs> Um, so yes, what makes me feel loved is touch for sure. Like touch me. I love being touched. And like what Callum was saying, like, even if you just walk by and like graze me, touch me, you know, slap my ass, give me a kiss, whatever it is, like all of it, I'm up for all of it. Um, you know, and then that, that willingness to make time for me really means a lot. So I think that's it. So touching me is fine. Like I, I, that's like, it's like at the bottom of the pyramid, very important, but I can accept it from anyone or as someone who's willing to make time for me and listen to me and be present with me that. I is is like my, my access is limited to that. So I accept that from only people that I am really in a, like a, a relationship with or a very close relationship with. And then what else makes me feel loved is with when it comes to words of affirmation, I love appreciation. So like when I think of affirmations, like telling someone like complimenting them on something like, oh, you look great or you did such a good job or I'm really proud of you. But I think like at the bare bones, there's appreciation. And appreciation is just like the little things, like the things that we end up taking for granted with our partners, because, you know, we, we might live together. This happens with Star and I. And it's hard to, like, maintain that appreciation, I think. And it it's very, something that is very easy to take for granted, like even just like if he makes a nice dinner, like just saying thanks, that was a really good dinner. Like those little things, they add up. Um, fingers? <laughs> <laughs> no, when he makes me a, a, a nice dinner, like a like where he actually cooked, not just threw something in the oven. Oh, okay. that's that's just a joke because Matt or uh, Michael and Star took me out for dinner for my birthday, and so then at dinner we were talking about like food and like these dinner services that you can order, and then Star kept talking about chicken or chicken strips and fries. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the cook in the house. He's he's good. He just doesn't like to put in the effort. I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> Honey, you're a great cook. Keep it up. He's an amazing baker, though. God. Yes. yes. Like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's, yes. he's the baker. I'm the cook. We can make a good team. Um, yeah. So those are the ways. But yeah, gifts. Gifts are nice. The thing with gifts though, is I if I receive a gift, I feel almost like compelled to like give it back. And then it, it takes the like, I'm not good at just receiving it and not feeling obligated to do something back. So kind of takes that away from me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what makes me feel like ultra loved when I'm thinking about like my partner and the times I feel most loved with a romantic partner is when I can be myself with him or anyone. This could be for friends too, by the way, and not worry about being harshly judged or criticized. Uh, nothing to me is more loving than like, I see you, I see your flaws. I still think you're wonderful and I love you for all of it. Like the fullness of me, because I can be handful. <laughs> I asked her. 
I asked her before this, I was like, what is it like to love me? I'm just curious. Like, what's your experience of that? And he's like, oh, girl, (laughs) chaos. I've learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a handful. I think I know I know myself really well. I, I go for what I want without apology, and that can rub people the wrong way. It can make them feel insecure. Uh, I don't fit into a box, like all these things. And he does a he does a good job of seeing me through that and and making me feel loved. I'm also a paradox of contradictions. Like, me yeah, too. like I, if people want consistency, I might not be the guy for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's what makes me feel loved. Where does it come from, or what influences it? Honestly, I think my past relationships influence it. Like, if I didn't have a certain need met in my past relationship, then it's very much to the forefront in like my new ones. So like if my previous partner wasn't giving me words of affirmation, then I'll have a big need, big need for it in my next relationship, I think. Um, also, I'm sure the way I was raised, I think with physical touch for sure, I, I was come from a very affectionate, warm family, like where I was hugging and kissing and all that kind of stuff. So I think the physical touch comes from that. It's just a theory. I don't know how to answer that question. So I'm curious to know what you guys have to say for, for what influences yours. Yeah. Um, first I want to say, I have a theory about the gift giving because it's at the bottom of all of our lists and it's at the bottom of a lot of people's lists. And I feel like I, my theory is that this book was written a while ago and like Gary Chapman, was obviously writing it from like a heteronormative standpoint, like a straight man standpoint. And in like straight heteronormative relationships, especially like back in the day, like, of course, men weren't supposed to show their emotions and do all of these things. So my theory is, is that gift giving was there because like back in the day or even still present day, like giving a gift is their way of trying to be emotional when they're like, I'm not emotional, but like, this is my way of saying that I love you without saying that I love you to like the woman. And like, that's why getting gifts as a woman, like it's all about like the rings and the jewelry and the this, because that then is a signifier to them that they are loved mm-hmm. but because like all of us, like we live in a new kind of world, new pandemic, like new paradigm of thinking that we're like, Oh, but we, we say those things. So we don't necessarily need the extra gifts to play into that because we do say the, I love you's we are these other things that maybe back in the day they weren't, or also just like heteronormative people just aren't that open communicatively with their partners. I think it is changing. So I think that that's why it's dropping, but I'm curious as to what you guys think about that. Um, But yeah, that's my theory. And then I'll answer the question after you guys put in your two cents. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think it yeah. is coming from a very heteronormative kind of old school place because that's sort of how it worked back then. Like men didn't show emotion, so they showed it through gifts, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fully agree. Fully yeah. agree. I think cool. it's like for me, get, receiving gifts is like a, a gesture and actually giving gifts is like a, a, it's thoughtfulness. So it's like not about the cost of it. Like if I'm out and about with, you know, some doing something in shopping and I see something that my partner would absolutely love, like I'll get that. And I love giving gifts for that reason. So it's like a sign of thoughtfulness. It's more than the gift. It's the meaning of what the gift represents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't love gifts, but. If it's a gift that I'm like, holy shit, you know me and you actually like this is a thought well a thought out gift. Like my one of my best friends got me a tea like um, uh, like to dip tea. I can't remember what it's Steeper, called. Steeper. Yeah. Steeper. There you go. I was like S something. Um, and it was the shape of a giraffe because giraffe's like my favorite animal. Aww. And I love giraffes. And so that was like one of her going away gifts for me is like this like little giraffe steeper. And I was like, oh, my God. And it's <laughs> like I didn't care how much it was. I was like, this is the best ever. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's that's that. Um, Okay, so what makes me feel loved and what influences this? So I really thought about this 
because I've not been in like a relationship relationship for like, like a significant relationship for quite a while. And thinking back to those specific relationships, it was always like just the cuddling, like just the like the touching without needing to talk or needing to do anything and just like watching TV or watching a movie. Because I just I like I'm I am that partner that I always want to be touching my partner like and it's not a possessive thing because some people do it as in like a signifier of like, oh, I'm possessing this person. Like you can't touch this person because I can has absolutely nothing to do with that. It's like I do it in private. I do it in public. I just that's how I'm telling my partner, like, I just adore you. And I just like I love to touch you, whether it's the back of your neck or like hugging or just like holding hands or like on the leg, like wherever that is who I am. And so I know that that's just what makes me feel loved because I use it so much that when it happens in return, I'm just like, this is the best ever. Um, and I think that, you know, what influenced it, I was like, my parents were huggy. Like my dad was also huggy. Um, we didn't necessarily talk about emotions and we weren't that like family, but like my mom talked a lot more about things. Um, but I think it was just like, it was kind of just born from who I was. Like I was just this touchy feely huggy person. And I just like let myself keep that part of myself instead of like locking it away as I got older and was like, Oh no, I can't do this. It was just like, Nope. Friends get hugged. Cause I remember there was this weird part in high school, maybe like middle school, high school where it's like, Oh, you can't hug people. And it was like, or people were like, Oh, why are you hugging me? I'm like, Cause this is what people do. Like get over it. <laughs> and then as I got older, I'm like, all my friends are huggy people, but I see groups of friends that they are not. And I'm like, what? That's so weird. Like, how do you, how do you go through life? And I think about like as babies, like when you're first born, they say like, if a baby's not like held and like touched and cuddled, like in the first like few hours a day of life, like they'll die. Like they need physical contact. So it's like, it makes sense that that would be it. Um, so so yeah, I hope that answers that. There are probably a lot of studies <clears throat> that have been done on this exact thing. Like I, I my theory was about, you know, being <clears throat> touched um, and having that warm love from like both my mom and my dad, grandparents, like it was just part of my family dynamic. And I was just thinking about it as you were talking, same with words of affirmation. Like I was for my parents anyway, I was affirmed for the most part. So I wonder if that has, it must have something to do with it, right? Like yeah. the way we were, the way we were given love from our parents probably has a big role to play. True. But I think yeah. I, what you just said just triggered like a memory. I think I've read something somewhere where it's like you need like 10 to 12 hugs a day to like really maintain like your high level oh. of like, like happiness, like it's a huge contributor to happiness. And like, I could be very wrong, but it like releases dopamine or like there's yeah. a release of something when it happens yeah. so that it's like, it's like, yes, this is so great. Yeah, it's the attachment neurotransmitter, which is uh, oxytocin. So okay, it basically, yeah, yeah. and then the hug, you know, affirms that. And that's what's released. That's the chemical that's released between the mother and the child, right? When the development is taking place. So people that don't get that, it creates attachment trauma, right? Which is what we talk a lot about in the, the podcast. So yeah, it's uh, it's powerful. The the, the upbringing the, and the, the experience that we have with our caregivers lays the foundation for how we want to give and receive love, from my opinion. And I'm very, I'm a very attachment trauma informed. So obviously I come from that philosophy, but um yeah okay I'll, I'll share what mine are so I, I found it funny Michael when you said that you're a walking paradox and that <laughs> anybody that needs consistency because that's my number one need that's the big kahuna like way bigger than any anything else um because of my childhood 
I had very hot and cold parenting and I had, um, you know, I, I struggled with that. Right. So consistency is everything. So I've never dated a fellow Gemini and I probably never will. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. I wouldn't only, suggest it. <laughs> there can only be one walking paradox in, in the relationship and it can only be me. Okay. Um, cause I, and I honor that. But the thing about that for me is I'm very communicative. So like I'm talking mm-hmm. about constantly with my partners and telling them, you know, this is what's going on for me. Like it, today I'm feeling this yesterday. I was feeling the opposite. So how can we, you know, so I, I do, you know, um, affirm my partners and tend to make them feel secure by being very communicative. Um, but I can't control my inconsistency. <laughs> it's my dual nature. Um, so consistency is the biggest one. And then uh, when somebody makes me feel special and chosen, and there's many ways that that can happen, but I do like um, somebody choosing me. I, you know, I'm the guy, guy at the party that I, I want the guy to like show everybody that, yeah, this is my partner. Like, you know, I like that. I like when a man is not, not possessive, possessive is too strong of a word, but chosen, chosen is a good word for that. Um, when someone commits to me and I think they can do that by talking about the future, right? Let's make plans together. Let's, you know, what do we want to create out of this relationship? Um, somebody that's too in the moment. I think present moment awareness is key for a relationship to be successful, but I do like somebody that is the balance between presence and being planful. And that's, you know, how someone can show that they're committed to, to our container. Um, when someone is thoughtful and attentive, I'm learning this right now. I'm, I'm putting myself back out into dating and I'm really getting clear about what it is that I need. And I'm attracting some really cool people into my sphere and they're showing me all the things that I want in different ways, right? And it's really cool. So attentiveness is such an important one for me because it means that I'm feeling heard and I'm feeling seen and that they're reflecting back to me. So it's one thing to listen, but then it's another thing to follow up with a, with a, um, a question, right? That is like a direct, indirect relationship to my, my share. They're taking a genuine interest in me and being curious. Um, so, and then thoughtfulness is just like little things, like all the little things that they do to show that they're, that they care and that they're devoted. Um, and then yes, devotion is, is a really big one for me. So devotion of time and energy. So, you know, energy would be like the gifts and the acts of service and like putting effort into the relationship. And then the time would be like, you know, physical touch and, and, you know, a quality time and those sorts of things. Cause it happens in the concept of time, right. We're, we're, we're touching and we're cuddling. I think cuddling is a really big one for me um, as well, which leads into the next one of being touched. I just absolutely love being touched. And um, yeah, when somebody learns all your spots too, you know, and then they touch you in all the like lovely little spots that you want to be touched. And like, you know, I think a big thing for me too, is like that sexual component of being touched. And like, I always find that sex in the first, you know, couple of months is it's exciting and novel, but for me, it gets better as it goes, because as I learn about somebody's body and they learn about my body, it's like the nervous system can settle and relax. And then you can understand, you find a rhythm, you know, it's like when you first meet somebody and you, you have, you share your first kiss, it can sometimes be really clunky and you haven't learned each other's rhythm and what each other wants. And I find that the kiss gets usually gets better and better as you're, um, you're, you're learning about each other's bodies. So, um, and then I, I started to think, I'm like, where does, where does this all come from? Where do all these things come from? And clearly it comes definitely from my, my upbringing, my family system. And, um, my dad was, a he showed love through acts of service. 
and he's not a very emotional guy or at least outward d displays of emotion but he's very thoughtful in in doing things he loves you know he needs a woodworker and he's very handy so he's always like he'll come over to my house and he'll be looking at things and tinkering and fixing them or he'll bring me little gifts that he's made for me in his wood shop and those are just really meaningful to me um so i definitely like to um, receive acts of service from from somebody and i tend to like be really drawn to like more masculine men who are handy, you know, like, like my dad, right. And like, like, like to be of service in, in that more um, hands-on kind of way, I guess. And then my mother is extremely good at words of affirmation. She's always been like that. She's always told me how much she loves me. She's always affirming me through words. And, um, and that is, is really beautiful. So the influence would definitely be parents um, not feeling loved the way I wanted to be loved as a child. I, I'm not saying that I wasn't loved um, at all. But again, my parents loved me the way that they loved me. And it was never like, how do you want to be loved, Matt? What would work for you? What are your needs? It was always, they were just very one way. They would just give me what they knew. And I think a lot of people are like that, um, especially in that generation, because our parents' generation and the generation above that, they didn't have access to quizzes that told them what their love language is, right? Like it was just basically a lot of them were just doing the best that they could with what they, with the parenting they received. So I do understand that. And I give my parents a lot of compassion for that reason. Um, and then, yeah, feeling unseen and unheard as a child. Um, and then the hot and cold parenting that came with that, like my parents, they struggled a lot with conflict in their own relationships. So that took precedence over, over raising us, I find. And um, so, you know, that, that played into it. So feeling unseen and unheard were my core wounds, I think growing up. So I have a lot of needs in my relationships around feeling seen and feeling heard. And once I have that, I settle and I develop trust and then I can move into a secure relationship. But if somebody's not able to provide those things, then it's likely not going to be a good fit. So, and that had to happen through trial and error. I had to go through all the really challenging relationships to find out what it is that I need. Um, but hey, I'm 37 now and I'm, I now know what I need and I'm, I'm leading with that and it's leading to some really beautiful connection. So I love that because I mean, I understand that also coming from a chaotic household, like divorced family growing up of being like, <clears throat> everybody was so into their own stuff that you're just like, okay, what about me? Like, yeah. <laughs> hello, I'm here. And with my dad's girlfriend, she was one of these like, oh, you're a child. I'm not going to engage you. Like, it was just like, you're a child. Like, there's no, there's nothing there. Whereas like my mom actually sat and would spend time to get to know me as a human. And like, we had conversations. Whereas my dad's girlfriend was just like, oh, leave me alone. Like you're a kid. And so there was never, yeah. there was never that like, like, okay, well, fuck me then. Like, and so that's where probably part of that love for me comes from is that being seen and being heard of like, oh, you actually care about me as a person. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think you just described an experience that I would I would probably guess about 75% of our listeners are going to share in because I think, you know, I do counseling and coaching and like I know the core wounds of most people that I work with and it's feeling unseen and unheard. Right. And it's because a lot of people and a lot of parents have that that ideology that they're just a kid or, you know, so they're not really um, prioritizing. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, it's interesting. Attachment trauma is going to lead to more attachment trauma, right? And I know my mother experienced attachment trauma, and that's why it was passed down onto me. Yeah. And so somewhere along the line, we have to break that, right? And that's why I'm doing this deep work, and I'm very devoted to my process because I, whether I have kids or not, which it's likely going to be a big no because I don't really want kids, but you know, I don't want to pass that through my lineage energetically, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I do like, I've seen <clears throat> my friend Leanne's aunt and uncle specifically. I remember being at their place multiple times just because Leanne was very close with her, her family. Um, and the way that they were raising their kids was, I was just mind blown. They were so intelligent and it's because, and then Leanne one day was just like, oh yeah, it's because they just, when they ask questions, they literally sit and talk to them and answer them, whether they understand the concepts or not, they let them decide that for themselves, but they tell them full on what the answers are. And then they just go and do, you know, kid stuff, but they actually treat them like real adult, like not adult, but like human beings that are curious instead of being like, oh, never mind, go away. And like the impact that that had on them as people and like their intelligence and like what they have, like it just blew my mind. And I remember seeing that and I was like, if I ever have kids, that's how I want a parent because like it makes them feel seen and heard. And then they can choose what to do with that information. Like, you know, as they go along, because if they're asking about it, they obviously know something. So it's like, you might as well just give them the information. Yeah. I love that. That's such a, yeah. it says you, you matter. That's what yeah. it speaks of. Like your, your questions matter, which yeah. is a nice thing to understand yeah. as a child. Yeah. Very much so. So I was thinking <clears throat> while you guys were talking and I want to add to my answer because yeah. as always, you guys inspired some stuff within me. So I had said the thing that makes me feel the most loved at like its peak is um, being seen uh, for who I am, flaws and all, and just I get I get to be my authentic self and not having to like pretend or whatever. Mm-hmm. So duh, I know why that's from. It's from being a closeted gay for so long, people pleaser. Like, mm-hmm. oh, of course that's what it is because I'm so tired. I'm so tired of doing that. My hands, I'm just literally my hands around today. I'm gonna break something. <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep them still. Um, yes, I've been like that people pleaser for so long that that's what it is. I'm so um, like I just don't want like I want to break out of that. So that's what it is. I just want to be able to be me and not people please. And as soon as I get a sense that I'm doing it, I like rebel. I'm like, nope, not doing that anymore. So that's clearly what it's from. It's definitely from that that childhood um, of being the good little boy who did whatever mom and daddy said and got all the good grades. Blah 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 blah. And you know, played the part, played the part of a straight guy uh, for and did a decent job, I think. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where that comes from now. So thank you for inspiring that. Mm. um this is a terrible episode to do now because it is my second day in mexico city alone without my partner he's not going to be here for a month so talking about all this hugging and affection and love languages and all this stuff i'm like i couldn't come couldn't have come at a worse time because i miss him now i miss him before but i miss him more now that's sweet (laughs) it'll just make that when you come back together that much sweeter. yeah yeah exactly yeah Do you guys feel complete or anything yeah, else yeah, you want to share yeah, on question yeah. two? Okay, yeah, so we'll move on to question three. So, um, Michael, uh, how do you like to give love and what yes. is that? This is fun. So I love to touch. You guys know that. I'm a touchy, touchy, feely, feely. Um, now, again, like it's, it's, a, it's a question of access. This is what I've learned today. I can listen and spend quality time or sorry, I can listen to people and be present with people um, and touch just about anyone. I'm very free with my touches and I'm very free receiving touches. I, I don't have a lot of boundaries there, but what separates the man I love or the people I really love from everyone else is access to qual- to my time, to my quality time. So how I like to give love is if I want to spend time with you, then that's a sign that I really like you and, and love you and quality time, right? Like this is the, the quality time where like you're being present with each other. Um, you know, you're not necessarily on your phones. You're, you're listening to each other for just simply trying to understand and be with somebody like those experiences and those moments where you get to know them. Um, that is 
one of the biggest ways I like to give love to someone that and show show my love for them is like, listen, I have a, a busy life. There's a million things I could be doing, but I'm choosing to spend it with you. To me, that is like the biggest sign of respect and love from from me, from someone like me. Um, and then another thing is commitment to the future. So like planning, actually before that, I'm going to say access to home because I'm very, very protective of my home. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like my sacred space. So I don't like, I, besides star and like, I haven't really enjoyed people being like partners being in my house. I like to have it my way. I'm very particular. So inviting someone into my home is like literally inviting them into the castle and they have a lot of access that way. And like, again, it's being able to, to see me in my most vulnerable, my most raw, my most me, um, and just access to home. So that's another one that I, that I put high up on that list. And then going along with that is future planning. So if I can sit down with you and be like, okay, where are we going with this? Uh, what do we want to build together? What do we want to co-create together? Like that to me is a very, very intimate, a sign of intimacy that I'm, that I'm in love, that I, this is for real for me. It's not just a, a quick thing that I'm going to bounce after that. Like it's, it's a sign of my commitment and my time. Again, it's, it's not just my time in the present, but it's my future time. Like I'm committing to you my future time, which again is a sign of, I really fucking love you. Mm. so that's how i like to give love in addition to all the rest i think all the rest i like to give as well but that's what makes it special is that access point um because i love being alone right we've talked about this many times that lone wolf the loneliness versus being alone i love being alone i'm I'm very happy with it so if there's someone that i can choose to invite into my world and spend a long period of time with and then invite them to spend more time with them in the future that is like, like you know you've made it and same thing with access to my family. That's another thing I put very high up on my list is I just, I don't, I, I love my family. They're like very, very, I'm very close with them. So I don't, I don't just bring people into my family life until I feel very much um, loyal, committed to them. So yeah, I think those are the ones that I like to, like to give. And then what influenced that? I don't know. I'm probably gonna have to answer this one after you guys again, because last time I was inspired. So I'm going to hold on to that one and, and let's pass it over to Callan. We'll see what I come back with. Okay. Um, I think mine's very similar to you, Michael, in regards to like, how do I like to give love um, quality time? Because I, again, I also love being alone. I could do it so easily. Like I'm so like hermit and it's like, I'm fine with it. Um, <clears throat> I do recognize like, I love also being social, but like, to be social like I have to plan that ahead like there's it's rare that like somebody's like do you want to go and do this thing right now or today or later today I'm like no absolutely not like I've not mentally prepared for this I've learned that Um, about you yeah yeah like I'm like "Ah, give me at least a day if not a few days please um and so when so if I were to literally up and be like yeah let's go and do something like you are a very important person to me in my life if I'm like sure like let's go right now like out of the blue like that would be that would mean a lot um and so that quality of time is you know like having friends like I said my friend earlier like we don't you know hang out all the time but when we do it's the quality and it's there and I love hugging if we're talking like romantic love it's like definitely touching and kissing like kissing if I'm kissing you you're good you're like you're in that world because like there's not a lot of people who get that so I'm very big and choosy so it's like if if I'm choosing you to be the one kissing then you know you're you're in it you're in it to win it um and what influenced these things I don't know 
I don't know what influenced. Maybe I'll have to do the same as Michael and like wait until <laughs> things come around. But I will say about like, you know, what do I like? To, what do I like to give love? But like in consideration of, I also, if you were the person who like needs gifts or like you think of acts of service and like that to you is a signifier, I I don't do any of those things. Like unless they're in my regular routine, like I wouldn't think to do those things. Like they would never cross my mind of like, oh, I'm going to do the dishes while they're out at their place. Maybe I would, but like my thought process probably wouldn't go in that direction. Like I think of many other things, but that would not be one of them. So if there's a person who's like, oh, I need that. That's where me and my first ex had to have that communication because like we just didn't understand because I think they were a bit of more of like a gift giver act of service person. And I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> it was just like right over my head I'm like why why is it so hard for you to say these things because he was awful at texting awful like just like it's the worst and I'm like just like is it really like pulling teeth like is it really that bad because I do I do like constant communication and it's not that I need it but it's just like that's an enjoyable thing for me that's part of for me, it's not at, like words of affirmation. That's quality time because like you're giving and receiving information and you're getting to know somebody deeper. And it's like, even like once a day, like, oh, hey, how's your day? Or like, you're cute or just something like to be like, oh yeah, you're in my thoughts and I'm in your thoughts. And this is going to wrap around <clears throat> to the final question. So I'm going to leave that there. But um, yeah, if you're in those camps for me, it's like, oops, sorry. Like you're going to need to know that that is not going to happen on a regular basis. Like that would be, if I started doing those things for somebody who needed it, you would know that that is a big love thing because I would, I don't do those on a regular basis. So I think that that would be a big signifier as well as like, if I'm doing those things for you, oh, you, you were big time loved. Mm. I want to say something about acts of service. This is important. Mm -hmm. It was very, very low on my list for a very <clears> long time until I cohabitated with somebody. And then yeah. all of a sudden acts of service was like way up here. So that might change. I'd be very curious to see how that changes. It did for me. At first, I was like, access service, who cares? Like, I do everything on my own because that's what I'm used to. Yeah. But then when you live with someone, then all of a sudden, like those things, I, at least in my case, became very important to the fact that when I did it again, access service was like number two. I think it is now. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. And that's fair. And I totally accept that. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I can see that happening for sure. Yeah. yeah. If I have a long day and like Star has decided to just make me dinner, I'm like, oh, mm. oh my God, you are the fucking best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's so nice. Give me the chicken fingers. Of yeah, even the chicken fingers. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's great. Oh, that's good. You guys feel complete? Mm. Yes. Okay. What about okay. you, Matt? Um. So the first one I have on mine is directness. Um, when I love somebody, I'm very direct with them and I communicate very, very well. Um, that is the staple of being in love with me or me being in love with somebody is it's just, it's the foundation is, um, actually, you know what the foundation would be? It would be authenticity. That's really what it is. Um, I prioritize being authentic 100%. I don't hold anything back. Uh, and I think that's probably because I expect that back. So when I, when I meet a man who's very devoted to being authentic and, and being vulnerable, that's such a good match for me. And I'm learning that now. Right. Um, the second one I have is giving access to me. I'm, I, I'm very gated and I don't let people into my sphere very easily. And, um, when, when I love somebody, they have 
they have access to me. They have access to my thoughts, to my ideas, to my emotions, to my world, right? That's, that's, that's everything. So when I'm giving somebody access and that's why it takes me a long time to kind of build trust and move towards somebody. I don't usually do it in a rushed way because I'm giving access to, to, to somebody, to myself. So it's like, I got to make sure that I trust them and that they've like earned their security clearance to have access to me, you know? Um, the next one is devotion. Um, I'm very devoted to somebody when I'm in love with them. And um, that kind of ties into acts of service for me because uh, I really like, like I'm like my father that way. I like to be of service and I like to always, you know, if my partner is like having some sort of struggle or something like that, I always like, like to support them and just be there for them. And I do that through acts of service. So finding ways to make their life more comfortable is usually my, where that's coming from. It's coming from a place of, I want to see them in more peace and in more comfort. So I will step in and I'll help them in different ways. And, and I like receiving that too. Um, and then the other one is radical honesty. Again, like I just, I always speak my mind and I always share what's going on for me. And I just think that that's such a, a, a gift that I offer somebody because you'll never have to guess in a relationship with me. You know what I mean? You'll never have to guess what I'm thinking, wonder what, what's going on for me. It'll always be presented to you. And so somebody that needs that, it would be um, important. Um, and then I came up with the, the other ones. So words of affirmation. Um is really important because like I said earlier, I love talking about how I feel. Um, quality time. Um, I like to devote to someone um, I love and show them that they mean a lot to me. And that happens usually in quality time. So I like like having dates planned, you know, like, you know, when, as I'm getting into, into the earlier stages of dating, it's like nice for me, like at the end of our other date, like let's plan another one and, and we can be excited about it. Like, you know, that's works really well for me. Um and then physical touch. Um, I love sex when I'm in a relationship. It's like probably one of the best ways that I love giving love. I'm a pleaser uh, in sex. So I like pleasing my man and I like, um, you know, just making sure that he feels good sexually and that his needs are being met um, as long as they're in alignment to me. I've learned that the hard way. I don't, I don't do things that I don't want to do just because they want it. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's an interesting topic. We could have a whole podcast episode, I think, on that topic. <laughs> Maybe we should do one. Yeah. Um, and then I will answer my my influence. So where these come from. And I think a lot of them, if you notice, they're all tied into authenticity because I spent a lot of my earlier years, you know, being inauthentic and hiding who I was being gay. I didn't come out till I was 18. So I lived 18 years being gay, knowing it and hiding it. Um in my early relationships, I was with a guy for eight years and I was very inauthentic. I hid my emotional desires. I hid everything because I was afraid, right, of communicating my needs and having boundaries. And I wasn't emotionally mature. So that being inauthentic was a big contributor to, to this one for me. Um, and then my attachment style. So growing up with an insecure attachment style and being disorganized and wanting this and then wanting that and, you know, being very confusing. I've had a very confusing upbringing when it comes to understanding love and relationships. So a lot of my things like honesty and um, directness, these sorts of things, they're really tied into my uh, my attachment style and learning what I need in order to, if I'm going to give somebody love, I have to be able to communicate my fears along with that as well, right? Because I know that if I give my love to somebody, I might freak out and be like, oh my God, like, you know, this, and then I want to retract.
acted right so like I have to be really communicative that I I do bring fear into most of my relationships as well as love um so that's that's important and then I think those come from past pain and just my upbringing right again hot and cold parenting I learned hot and cold in my love and my attachment relationships so no wonder I come in hot in my relationships and then I freak out and pull back because I'm terrified that the person's going to do the same thing that I had done to me, which is come in hot, pull back when it gets too hot, right? So I, I do that as almost like a preservation to, as a way to keep myself safe. So I'm learning how to like move into to relationship and be hot and just let the fire burn as opposed to like, oh my God, I'm going to get burnt by it. So I'm going to pull back, stay in the fire and just communicate my fears. That's where I got to be. And so this guy that I'm that I'm dating right now, it's really interesting. He said something to me that stuck more than anything that a therapist or anyone has ever said to me throughout the course of my life. And he said, if the wheels fall off, at least we had fun while we were driving, bef like, you know, before the wheels fell off. And I'm like, that's so true. Like, you know, I could spend my whole time in the car worrying about the wheels falling off, or I could just enjoy the scenery and just really be in the present moment. And if the wheels fall off, it's like, okay, great. Like, I know how to handle that. I've been through it. I know my, my heart knows how to break is essentially what the trust that I have to come back to because, you know, I've been through heartbreak like five or six times now. I know what to do. I, 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 I've got my own back. Right. So that's allowing me to settle into like being in the fire and, and not worrying about constantly being burned by it. So, um, yeah, lots of interesting growth happening for me right now when it comes to relationships. Yeah. <clears throat> what I don't remember what you were saying, but like you, I think it was like the calmness, like you need that like stability. And for me, that's probably what influences my giving love languages because it includes that calmness that I like to feel. And so yeah. that's like why I like to be in solitude and stuff. Cause that's also calmness. And I feel like happy and safe there, but like cuddling is part of that. Like, Oh, this is, this is calm. This is great. This is amazing. And even like yeah. quality time with people and friends that again is usually like the, cause there's like, it's not like things are wild and crazy. I mean, maybe if you go out, but like if it's quality, genuine time that there's this calmness, to the energy that's flowing and it's open and everything's going on. Whereas if it's sporadic and all over, I'm like, I don't know what's going on over here. So that probably mm -hmm. is part of what influences why my love languages are the way they are. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you guys went <laughs> so they could figure that out. Yeah. I think another thing could be history too, right? Like I'm thinking of my exes um, romantically and they <clears throat> taught me, you know, every, every person that we're with kind of influences us, right? And we kind of bring that with us, whether we know it or not. So they taught me a lot about how they receive love. And then I, you know, we naturally can change to like meet that and adapt to that. So I think I did in many cases. And yeah, they did teach me how to give love in ways that they that they preferred. And so that kind of stays with me, um, which I think is a beautiful thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think those are the gifts that we have from our, our past relationships, whether they ended well or poorly. Uh, mm -hmm. We have that experience and that wisdom that we take with us onto the next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting what you just totally reminded me of something like I grew up feeling a lot of guilt and I had a lot of codependency with my mother. And it's really interesting how that plays out in my relationships now, because um, I I'm, I'm asking myself right now, like which of these love languages has a shadow side that I give because I feel guilty if I don't give it because that came from my upbringing, right? So if you had a parent that needed you 
to calm them or to be there for them or whatever it was, which in my case, I, I, I became a caregiver for my mother when my parents got divorced and I took on all that energy of feeling like I had to be her emotional support. So now it's like, if I have a partner that's struggling, a, a shadow side of my acts of service is I might get into that fixer energy and I might want to fix their emotions because that's what I did growing up. Right. I was always the, like, you know, the fire extinguisher coming in and putting out fires. So it's interesting. I just wanted to share that because I think some people might relate to that. Like it's it's important to understand which of these love languages is motivated by some sort of shadow aspect, which I would say usually could be guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. They, they all have their own little shadow side if you think about it, right? Even words of affirmation could be people-pleasing as a form of manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. They all have their own shadow side. Yeah. yeah. But the, for me, I think that... I, I see that maybe in the gift giving, like I, because it's like, I don't want to give a gift just because you gave it to me. But the assumption of guilt, if you don't, yeah. is like, oh, well, it's not going to be reciprocated. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to play that game. So it's almost like the opposite. It's like, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to have those <laughs> expectations because I know I can give gifts from that place of genuine. But sometimes I, there's others who were like, oh, and that's it. You're like, you know, so it's like, I don't even want to play those games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you guys both feel like you had enough to share on number three? Ready yeah. Go? Uh, okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So question four, uh, what would be your sixth love language, Michael? A big, fat, juicy <laughs> brain. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yes. So yes. I'm not talking like, like, like someone who's like, academically smart that's not what i'm talking about but just someone who can stimulate my intellect totally mm -hmm. <laughs> i can get lots of other things stimulated very easily dime a dozen can do that but for me anyway to stimulate my intellect that requires a, it's like a very specific key for my lock and mm -hmm. so that would be my my sixth love language and again that doesn't mean someone who's a know-it-all who's like smart in the kind of traditional sense but just someone who yeah. has a genuine curiosity for life for people, for interesting things, uh, whether like it could be just like one thing that they're like obsessed about. I think that's so cute. Like one of my exes was really into Marvel movies and MCU. He's the one who got me into it. And like, I'm like, at the time, like I did not give less than a shit about this stuff, but seeing him geek out on it, I was like, you are so fucking sexy that you love this so much. And now I'm into it too. So that's an mm -hmm. example, right? That doesn't have to be like, you know, a, a biochemist or whatever. And then again, with my version of, of, of intellect is like, there's a humility that comes with that, like not a know-it-all. Know-it-alls are not sexy, but someone who knows that they don't know that they don't know anything. To me, that's the sexy part. And then, like, they just want to learn, or they have a just a thirst to like learn stuff and learn me and how I think, and you know, see the way I behave. And like, oh, you're an interesting, quirky guy. <laughs> like the way my mind works, because I'm like that too. Right? I love looking at how people's mind works. I think it's fascinating. But that's yes. my thing. It doesn't have to be my thing. Um, and like a little offshoot of that is a sense of humor. Cause again, I have a very specific dry, witty mm -hmm. sense of humor, dark, very dark, um, that not a lot of people, I don't share with a lot of people because it's like not appropriate most of the time. Um, <laughs> but my best friends know what that is and they, they love me for it. So someone who I can share that with or who has something similar to that, like they can make me laugh. They, it's like those one-liners that are just spot on that, that perfect comedic timing, uh, yeah. So humor to me, that goes with intelligence. I think humor is an offshoot of, of that intellect. So that's right. mine. Mm -hmm. Definitely. How about yours, Callan? Shout out to the sapiosexuals. 
um yeah very much that very much for sure like I always say like when I was you know have dating apps or whatever it's just like you know I always use the brain icon (laughs) and I'm always just like first you got to tickle this before you tickle the aubergine like yeah (laughs) before you get into the eggplant you got to get to the brain um big time because that's like yeah just double down on that if oh oh um but okay so since you said that I will say um one of my like my sixth love language if you know there's something i'd say consideration mm-hmm. like just like really conscientious considerations and so it doesn't even need to be big things but just i remember there was this time that i was kind of dating this guy in germany and um i because i was a flight attendant so i was going for a layover i think it was frankfurt and so and he lived like four five six hours away Anyways, he lived a distance away, like four to six hour drive. And he drove down to meet me. And I was like, A, that's huge. And that's amazing. But B, when I was like getting ready to like leave the next day, there was just like this like consideration of like, oh, you know, like use the bathroom, do it, like get everything you need to do to get ready. And like, it was just so easy, like the flow, because that consideration was there that I, I always get anxious about that. I'm just like, cause I know with work specifically, like I had a routine, like I had things that I did. And like, if I didn't like, it would throw me off and like, that might throw me off for the flight. So it always made me super nervous about that kind of a thing of like inviting somebody into that space. But he was so considerate about so many things that I was just like, oh, like, I'm so glad you came here um and everywhere else like this is just a great <laughs> overall like and so things like that where it's just somebody is clearly thinking about you and your needs and what you might need and that consideration aspect of it is just huge in my books and I try to do the same for others like I try and really be conscious about like you know how can I do this the most conscious way or how can I be conscious about these little tiny details or these little things that somebody said that I remember that I then do something around and the person's like oh you remember that and like wow that's so nice of you like the consciousness of that those things to me especially when somebody does that back to me is massive mm. big time massive I love mm-hmm. that yeah big yeah. aubergine energy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> What about I say, you? <laughs> I say yes to all that. I I I love the sapiosexual energy, the mental stimulation, intellectual stimulation. Uh, I love the humor. I say yes to that, and I say yes to more consideration. So bring it all in. <laughs> um, I wrote down two. I was struggled between choosing between these, so I'm going to share both of them as well. <laughs> it's funny, Michael. We're both. <laughs> it's like, uh, so my first one is shared beliefs and values. Um, the older I'm getting, the more certain uh, about who I am and what I need. And I think that's just part of emotional maturity and growing. And so now it's like, I don't think I could date somebody that didn't have shared core values and beliefs, I'll say. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to share everything, don't get me wrong. But I want to know that we're on the same page on like really big topics that tend to divide people because I don't, I think that's just important, you know. And um, so that's a big one. Uh, and then music. Everything in my life is about music. I always have music on. I'm always singing. I'm always dancing. I um, music brings me joy, and I love I love fantasizing and romanticizing about somebody to a song. Like when a song comes on, and I think that like you know I play that out, which it's that's kind of that can be a little dangerous too. I will say because I've created I've created someone into being who they actually aren't through fantasizing and romanticizing. So I got to be careful with that. 
but I know that it's very fun and playful for me. And I like that. And I love sending somebody a song and I love having shared playlists um, for different things like dancing together, having sex, um, making love. Like I love building playlists with partners. And so those would be my, my two big ones. I think when I, if I were to add them on. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I have another one I want to add. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess the word is integrity. Like someone who, like if I'm going to be receiving it, who says they're going to do something and they just fucking do it. Like mm-hmm. that is such a beautiful way to like, especially these days, there's so much like, what's sort of like you for like ghosting and just like people don't, they, they say a lot. It's easy to speak, but not yeah. so easy to do. So yeah. people who have that integrity who are like, yes, we are going to go on that date. Like, yes, you don't have to ask me four times if you want to cancel. Like, yes, that is happening. Yes, I will meet you at this time. And then if I can show up on time, like that to me, I, I do that all the time. Like I will, if I say I'm going to do something, I will be there. I will do it. Um, barring some kind of, you know, emergency. But I think that is another kind of love language is integrity. Mm-hmm. I think, especially as I get older, because there's so many excuses and blaming and blah, blah, blah. I just, ugh, I can't deal with that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And you just gave me an idea or us an idea for a topic in it could be integrity when dating or oh God, dating, yeah. dating etiquette, because I'm in the dating world right now. And it's just blows my fucking mind how much ghosting and how much, you know, it's the, people are so terrified to, to be authentic and have authentic conversation and difficult conversation. And I make it a, a, a very concerted effort to when, when I, if I start losing interest in a guy, I will not text him. I will either call him or we'll we'll get together and I will say, listen, this is what's going on for me. This is what I'm experiencing. I give everyone that respect and that integrity because it's so key. And that's how we can mitigate the traumatizing of each other in the community. Because it's very traumatizing when somebody just ghosts you and then you start wondering, what is it something I that I did or whatever? Just it's ghosted. horrible. It was awful. Yeah. Oh. Ghosting is a sign. Ghosting is a sign of emotional immaturity. So if you're ghosting people, you got to check yourself and you got to say what is going on here that I don't have the emotional maturity to communicate to these people because yeah. everybody mm-hmm. deserves respect, right? Yeah. So come on people, pull up your socks and let's start being a little bit more emotionally mature yeah. and having the difficult conversations because it, it'll heal our community yeah. right? and bring I, us into connection. Even just like a, Hey, you know what? That was great, but I don't feel the connection because the date was great. I thought the date was great, like great energy, great communication. The sapiosexual energy was there to the point where it's like, oh, let's do this again. And then I invited him out to my birthday party because it was in a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, sure, you're invited. You have mutual friends who are coming. Go for it. And then the next day sent that information and then just never heard back. And I was like, you could at least be like, I'm not coming or like, hey, it's not for me. But like that pure ghosting of like, I don't understand. And as where I am now as an adult, I'm like, okay, like that's that's an on you thing. And I didn't really take it to heart, but it's just like, oh. Really, like anybody I do that to and I'm not interested in, like I will be clear and I'll be like, hey, like, thank you so much for sharing that time, but this is not a match. Whether that's a text or a call or whatever, it doesn't need to be anything big, especially like one or two dates, but like 100%, Matt, 110%. Yeah, you're hurting somebody more by by keeping them wondering what's going Mm -hmm. on with them as opposed to being communicative with them. Because when you're wondering, all of your baggage comes to the surface. It was it this, was it this, was it this? But if you're just communicative with them, you, you let them off the hook, right? And you let them just settle back into, okay, this isn't about me, or maybe it was right. But so, yeah, I just think that's so key. I think we stumbled upon the sixth love language. Yeah. No ghosting. 
well integrity yeah, exactly. integrity yeah, integrity integrity yeah. is, is what it's about yeah because that's that's the symptom yeah exactly okay do you guys feel complete yeah yeah yes okay all right well thanks everybody for tuning in watching and listening um if you have not already come join us in the gay men's brotherhood facebook group and uh, if you're watching on youtube leave us comments as you know we read them out we like to hear your guys's comments and uh we tend to, we, we respond to them all too right and um if you're uh, listening on your favorite platform for podcast please review leave us a star rating hopefully five if you enjoyed what you heard today so much love everybody take care